mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, just as SNAP recipients are facing a decrease in their benefits, the end of the COVID public health emergency will also have a significant impact to those on Medicaid. We'll learn more. Also this morning, congressional approval of the PACT Act last year provided much-needed help to millions of those with service-related toxic exposure, but only if veterans are aware of those benefits and how to take advantage of them. And the Hancock County Veterans Services Office is here to help. And we have details on upcoming performances and programs at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts in the month of March. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 27, 2023. Twenty-one days now until spring. We're counting it down, and uh, man, uh, today it, it, the forecast sounds like we may get some some spring storms, some early spring storms before spring even gets here. Mother Nature being kind of uh, being kind of crazy. And have you seen some of the uh, images of this? This is the remnant of the same storm that brought snow to Southern California over the weekend. Uh, there was a dusting on the hills overlooking the uh, Hollywood sign, where the Hollywood sign. You know, there's a dusting of snow. They had a uh, a blizzard warning, I guess, in Orange County for the first time in like 30 years. Meanwhile, I I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but I heard somebody say uh, over the weekend that this could be we could set a record for the least snowfall of a winter season by the time. It's all said and done. Unless we have a uh, a big snow event between sometime in the next twenty one days, uh, it'll go down in uh, in the record books as the season with the least snowfall in Northwest Ohio. So we're not complaining necessarily. We're just seeing how crazy this weather uh, has been. So here's something uh, worth knowing this morning. Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories. Of the day, they say you've heard this uh, saying that if you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people, right? Hang out with successful people in order to be successful. Apparently, that same advice applies even in the online world. If you are Facebook friends with rich and successful people, um, that could make you more successful. Not only that. It could also reduce your risk of fatal heart attack or stroke, according to a study from the American College of Cardiology. They used a machine learning algorithm to examine Facebook data and the potential impact of poverty on a person's health. Uh, Records of over 900,000 heart disease-related deaths showed that places with higher economic connectedness had lower rates of premature death. The same seems to hold true in cyberspace. Social networks are important for health outcomes, according to the lead author of the study, one Tabitha Lobo. Mechanisms to improve social networks could be established through youth mentorship programs, internships, or school-based programs. Not only if you surround yourself with successful people, will you be successful, but you'll live longer, apparently. The same is true, not just in the real world, but in cyberspace as well. So one more reason to make rich friends. 
And hey, if you do end up in the hospital, maybe you've got somebody to go and help you pay your bills. So there's that. Uh, But that being said, uh, blue collar workers may not help you stave off a heart attack, but blue collar workers are more virile. Uh, Those who uh, hold blue-collar jobs and physically demanding jobs are associated with higher virility, according to a Harvard study. Greater levels of testosterone and higher sperm counts. Researchers surveyed 377 men with a median age of 36 and found that men who lifted heavy objects at work had nearly double the concentration of the little swimmers of men who never lift things at work, who have those cushy desk jobs. <laughs> One theory is that exercise can help reduce inflammation and oxidative stress, which can lower sperm count, damage one's virility. Interestingly, men who took part in physical labor at work also had higher levels of estrogen as well. Hmm. They get in touch with their feminine side. Researchers speculate that excess testosterone was being converted to estrogen to retain the balance between the two. So, make of that what you will. But, uh, anyway, the good and the bad. You take the good and the bad. Uh, A couple of other items among the first things you need to know this morning. This is big news. Apparently, a sequel is coming out to the 1957 Dr. Seuss classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. What, you say? A sequel? Yes. How the Grinch Lost Christmas. We'll pick up a year after the original story, and we'll show the Grinch trying to win the Whoville Christmas crown by making the best Christmas tree. Man, that is coming full circle for the Grinch, isn't it? The book is an official sequel, but is not based on anything from the Dr. Seuss archives. So this is not something that Dr. Seuss himself wrote or even made notes about, but it is produced through the authorization, I guess, of the Dr. Seuss estate, so that makes it an official sequel. How the Grinch Lost Christmas will be out this September. So we'll look forward to that. Nothing could ever really take the place. It's sort of like, do you uh, do you watch the uh, Frosty the Snowman sequel uh, on TV at Christmas? They always show this now, back to back. The original Frosty the Snowman, and then what Frosty Returns, and um, it's just not the same. It's just not as good. So we'll see how the Grinch sequel works out. But um, I'm a bit skeptical. But I'll try and keep an open mind. We'll find out in September. It gives us something to look forward to. And finally, here's something to consider. And this is one of the most buzzworthy stories of the day in the sense that uh, this uh, would certainly generate some conversation around the water cooler around the water cooler at work. So uh, converse about this amongst yourselves. A 32-year-old female posted this story on the Reddit bulletin board online, shared a distressing experience about commuting with her young daughter. According to the woman's post, she and her five-year-old daughter 
got on board a commuter bus. And it doesn't say where, whether it's like New York, Chicago, where, you know, but some urban locations. They get on on board a uh, commuter bus. Bus is very busy. Um, In fact, all the seats were taken except for one seat next to a 40-year-old man using a wheelchair. Uh, So the woman asked the man using the wheelchair if he could move to a different spot so that she and her daughter could sit together on the bus. The man, however, declined, saying because he was in a wheelchair, he needed the space for his mobility device. The woman expressed her surprise and irritation at that response. Despite explaining to him that her young daughter needed to sit next to her for safety reasons, he refused to move. Consequently, she and her daughter had to stand throughout the entire journey, which she said was exhausting and uncomfortable. The woman further revealed that when she confided in a friend about the incident, her friend accused her uh, of being insensitive, said she was the one that was being insensitive. So she said, now I'm questioning whether or not I was in the wrong for asking this person to move. And uh, I, I read that story and I thought, boy, that is an interesting um, an interesting collision of two reasonably uh to to reasonable expectations of some sort of special accommodation. Certainly, uh, those who are in wheelchairs expect to have some level of special accommodation for uh, their unique needs. And yet, parents of young children uh, do, I think, have a reasonable expectation to have some accommodation, some level of accommodation. Uh, for their uh, young child, so they can sit together. So you've got two competing. Both are both requests are are, are reasonable, uh, but you have these two things colliding. So who was in the wrong there? That's kind of interesting. There you go. Uh, but it's something uh, we're thinking about. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. Welcome to a new week. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Some of the hazardous material from the East Palestine train wreck has been taken to Texas and Michigan, where there are complaints about not being informed. Now EPA Regional Administrator Deborah Shore says some liquid waste will be sent to a location between Sandusky and Fremont in northern Ohio. Lindsay Mills with Owen and Affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Nearly a month after a train full of chemicals derailed, the EPA has identified which facilities will take the contaminated waste. As we work to identify additional options, some of the liquid wastes will be sent to a facility in Vickery, Ohio, where it will be disposed of in an underground injection well. The train company Norfolk Southern can resume cleanup efforts, but all of the company's plans are subject to EPA review and approval. Solid waste will be taken to Heritage Thermal Services in East Liverpool, Ohio, which is less than 20 miles south of East Palestine. Governor Mike DeWine's office says all but 11 rail cars have been removed from the derailment site. Those are under the control of the National Transportation Safety Board as they investigate. One person has died following a garage explosion that happened in Lake County in northeast Ohio yesterday morning. Wycliffe fire officials say a garage with fireworks exploded in Wycliffe just before 11 a.m. Fire officials say there's significant damage to the back of the house as well as a neighboring home. An investigation is continuing. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. 
So now our cover story this morning. You may remember a few weeks back we talked at some length about the fact that with the end of the public health emergency brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, SNAP recipients would see a significant decrease in their benefit. Well, also, this could have a significant impact to those on Medicaid. And joining us uh, this morning, Dr. Bill Coe's Blanchard Valley uh, Health System and... uh, Let's talk a little bit about what's going to change for those who are on Medicaid once the public health emergency officially comes to an end. Well, what happened with the emergency legislation is that the federal government waived that you needed to re-sign up every year. Mm. And so individuals for the past three years have continued on Medicaid. They've been able to get it without doing anything. And now that that's gone away... We, we need to make sure that everybody re-registers. That, that's the really the biggest thing. So they need to get in contact with wherever they registered before, make sure that they're on the, uh, the enrollment list so they can continue with their benefits. So it's uh, something that, again, they had to do prior. Uh, Correct. But then during the pandemic, they kind of you get out of that habit, you uh, forget about it. Right. It's just something that that people would have, like their normal insurance and things like that. But the legislation, the way we have done this here in Ohio, is that individuals need to sign up every every year. And so all of the benefits that they would get through Medicaid are part of that. Now, the SNAP, the food legislation was, as you mentioned, it was in addition. It was added on. We wanted to make sure people stayed healthy, that mm-hmm. they could get food. Right. And there was an additional amount that was added to that, and that also will be ending. Yeah. So, uh, and as I understand it, the well, the end of the public health emergency will not fully come for another <clears throat> month or so. Is that right? That's correct. Well, originally there had been some talk that it was going to start the first of the year. Okay. And there was legislation prepared to make sure that was established. And then the <clears throat> presidential um, group, the executive committee, uh, President Biden, wanted to make sure everyone had time to mm-hmm. sign up. So they established it for... I think it's May the 11th, but okay. it's in mid-May. So there's plenty of time to get it done. Yeah, We're just trying to make sure we get out and let everyone know to do that. It, it's, it's complicated a little bit because, as I understand it, some states are, uh, I don't want to say throwing people off of Medicaid, but they're, they're uh, eliminating that provision ahead of the actual end of the public health emergency. Is that correct? Correct. I mean, part of this was, I think, looking at it fiscally about the amount of money that was being spent. Mm-hmm. And then all states have different ways of what they have done. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it more difficult for people, especially if they're going from one place or another. Yeah. Uh, so what is the process then uh, in Ohio that current Medicaid recipients will need to know? Well, each county can set up how they let people know. So okay. we at the hospital are checking with people and we're talking to them and, and checking their cards to make sure they're okay. But in, in, in Hancock County, we use jobs and family services. And I've got that phone number for anyone if there's any questions. So this is the Hancock County Job and Family Services. It's 419-422-9182. I'm sorry, 422 So you can call, make sure that you're registered, 
and that we have all the information that's needed for your continuance of your benefits. So this is only for those on Medicaid, not Medicare and not private insurance. That's uh, That's right. It is just the Medicare um, benefit. And were there additional, um, were there... Were there people who qualified for Medicaid under the public health emergency that may no longer qualify for it? That is one of the things that needs to be looked at from a standpoint. Now, my understanding is Ohio has not made changes in what the benefits are, but that is something that needs to be uh, attributed because things could have changed. Your income could have changed. Sure. In addition, might have added children. There may be other things that would affect that over the last three years, but the basics have stayed the same. Now, are those the is that the only healthcare related change with the end of the public health emergency? For example, I'm thinking, you know, my wife and I were tested multiple times uh, during the course of the pandemic and did not pay for those tests. We both received our vaccinations and our boosters, and there was no charge for those. Are there other provisions that will impact people medically with the end of the public uh, health emergency? That's a great point, and it's a great question. So from a standpoint of the state, I don't believe there's a change, but what the federal government is going to supply is exactly what you talked about. There will be no, uh, for, as, as my understanding, free uh, vaccines. There will not be free uh, testing kits. They're not going to be distributed that way. Now, again, counties or states might do something differently. And, and there's within certain people's uh, health care plans, there may. Correct. And may then cover. commercially, they're not going to be mandated that they have to do this. Um, Pavlovid, the new medication that's being used orally, uh, that's not necessarily going to need to be covered by insurance without a copay and things like that. There are lots of other parts to the health care provisions, the changes besides Medicaid. So some of those, the the treatments that were also provided at, at no charge, uh, that may change. And that's something you're going to need to come at, check with your commercial insurance. Now, it may be partially covered. Uh, those things are all up in the air. Yeah, and it would vary, uh, obviously, by carrier, I would imagine. Exactly. So uh, definitely some questions to ask of your benefits uh, person at work or wherever that you are covered. Yes. Um, We mentioned, uh, and I know this is of of concern uh, to those in the healthcare industry, too, talk about the uh, SNAP recipients and the the SNAP benefits uh, that were enhanced during the, uh, the pandemic that will now go back to pre-pandemic uh, levels of benefits. Does that apply to uh, the WIC program as well? Um, that do is you a know? good question, and I do okay. not know the answer okay. to that. What we're all concerned about is the upstream of health, not just health care. So making sure people have housing, transportation, and especially nutrition, is if that becomes problematic, then individuals are going to potentially be more likely to get sick and to have other problems. So that's that's been the concern from the healthcare coalition here in the county. That's uh, that actually was going to be the question that I asked. This uh, brings up uh, a lot of questions uh, for those in healthcare is what happens once this I mean, we always knew the public health emergency could not go on forever. It was going to have to end at some point or another, and some of these benefits would go away, but there's got to be some uh, concern among Yes. The well, I think industry. we're all starting to realize that no matter what the health problem is that somebody has 
troubles with their heart, whether they have addiction, they have diabetes, that there's a lot of things besides what kind of medications I prescribe or what I, I advance that nutrition especially is really important. And so individuals being able to get healthy foods, vegetables, fruits, things like that, that was the intent of SNAP. And it data-wise seems to have been helpful. So that's preventative so individuals don't need to use their Medicare Medicaid benefits or Medicare benefits. And, and then uh, with respect to those uh, benefits, whether we're talking about Medicaid, Medicare, private insurance, uh, if there is a cost involved, one of the reasons why so many people were uh, quick to get treated is because you knew that there was not going to be a cost. You weren't going to get hit with a bill. Now I go back to maybe some of the... concerns that we've had in the past of people avoiding treatment because they're concerned about the cost absolutely and of course there's there's always a balance of how much money you can spend Mm -hmm. but there's no there's no question that individuals poverty is the opposite of health (laughs) if you don't have too many Mm -hmm. resources you put off doing things and then we find the problems later when they're harder to treat and much more expensive much more expensive uh so as we said uh, you knew all along from the very beginning that you wouldn't go on forever the public health emergency was a temporary thing is this the right time to end it i think i I personally think it is from a standpoint I, i would like to see different benefits there's other things that could be done but we're getting ample warning. The COVID, maybe it will come back. We're still seeing influenza. We figured out how to treat it of what we need to do, and it makes sense. It, it can't go on forever. Um, I think the biggest thing is they're going to follow this and see if there's problems, so we could always resurrect something if needed. Again, uh, Dr. Bill Coe's Blanchard Valley Health System with us this morning. Uh, again, putting out the uh, information that with the end of the public health emergency, that could have a significant impact to those on Medicaid who will now have to uh, re-enroll. And uh, again, Job and Family Services would be the uh, place to get a hold of yes. more information. We've got a link up on our webpage as well. Go to goodmornings.net. Dr. Coe, thanks very much for dropping by. We thanks appreciate for it. allowing me to be here. So you may remember uh, back when the PACT Act was finally approved by Congress last year, signed into law by the president, we talked at some length about the benefits that this would provide, much needed benefits to help millions of individuals with service-related toxic exposure. But that only is true if those veterans are aware of those benefits and how to take advantage of them. Well, that's where the Hancock County Veterans Service Office comes into play. They are having an information session later today, and Ed Newton, Resiliency Operations Manager for the Hancock County Veterans Service Office, is with us in the studio this morning. And thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris for having us so uh this information says you're actually going to have people from the uh, va uh from up in ann arbor uh down here to uh talk with uh, individuals who uh are you who would you be targeting here with uh with this okay anyone who uh believes that they were exposed to any uh, burn pits agent orange or any other toxins during their service and you know the vietnam the gulf war post 9-11 eras um we encourage you to come out today this will also include the camp lejeune uh, water. Ah, yes. So that'll include this as well. Yeah, it, you know, we spend so much time. We talk about the uh, the toxic uh, burn pits uh, and uh, thinking about the uh, 
operations in the Middle East, the Gulf War, uh, post 9-11, you know, that kind of thing, operations. Uh, but this also did include, as we mentioned, uh, Agent Orange for Vietnam-era veterans, uh, the Camp Lejeune uh Water situation, water supply situation has been very much uh, in the news and uh, and so on. So this is more than just the the part of it that, that grabbed all of the headlines. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, there's been a number of uh, new presumptives uh, that they've added to the list. So even if you have a claim in currently, uh, come in. It would be great for you to come in for a claim review uh, to see where you stand. There may be more benefits you're eligible for. Uh, so, again, we encourage you to stop in today. Similarly, for those who have tried to make a claim in the past and have been denied, this is an opportunity to go revisit that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what will be happening uh, during this uh, information session? Kind of uh, lay out what's going to happen today. Okay, yeah. Alyssa Harris from the VA will be in. She's bringing her whole team with her. Uh, There'll be six stations. You can... You know, it's as easy as you can come in. There'll be VA enrollment. If you're not already enrolled in the VA healthcare, you can enroll today. Um, and you'll have a toxic screening today if you want one. And if you apply for any of the um, claims out there, then we'll walk you across the hall and we'll have you talk with one of our VSOs and get that claim started immediately. That right was, today. Yeah, that was one of the things that jumped out of me. You actually will have screening available. So if someone is unsure whether they were exposed, this is an opportunity to find out. Yes, it is. And what is the application? I mean, again, you know, knowing whether you are eligible is part one and then figuring out how to apply is the second uh, half. Of what all is involved in that? Well, luckily, our VSOs, uh, which we like to call the best in the state, um, they're, they're trained on this very well. So they will walk you through the process um, and basically take you by the hand and guide you through the VA system and get, you, uh, get your claim applied for today. Uh, now, this will be happening at the office, at the Veterans Service uh, Office? Yep, at our office. Okay, and for those who are not familiar, you are where? We're at 1100 East Main Cross. We're in Suite 123. Um, it's the old Kodak building for, for okay. the locals. That uh, yeah. Oh, very good. And uh, what do folks need to bring with them? If you have your DD-214, uh, bring it with you. Okay. If not, that's another service we can provide. If, you're, if you don't have it and you uh, want to track it down, we can apply for your DD-214 to be sent directly to you. Okay, uh, and this is from, what, 1 to 7 today? Yep, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. today. So if that doesn't work for uh, someone, if they can't make it out, they're working or you know otherwise occupied, what have you, um, this is not a, a one-and-done kind of thing in the sense that you can help uh, veterans with this really anytime. That's what you do. That's correct. Yeah, this is what our office does. Um, Again, we're open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And just come on out. Uh, you call our office, 419-424-7036, to schedule an appointment. We'll get you in, and we can do all of this stuff at, at your availability. How many times have we uh, talked with uh, the folks in your office and we say you know, how important it is to get in touch for all veterans, to get in touch with the Veterans Service uh, Office uh, so that you, know, you can help with things exactly like this. this is another example of why it is so important uh to reach out and have that uh dialogue with uh the veteran service office absolutely so many times we see people come in at at very late stages of life 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then they are brought aware of the services that they could have took advantage of yeah. their whole life. And it's kind of sad to see people wait so long. Um, I would suggest, you know, as soon as you get out, if you're freshly out or, you know, in your 20s, whatever, don't wait. Come mm-hmm. in. There's a lot available. You've earned a lot. And uh, go get what you earned. What has been uh, the local response? So we mentioned uh, the uh, PACT Act was uh, approved last year to great fanfare. It was out there uh, in the news. It became a major uh, news story for the expansion of uh, benefits, VA benefits that it provided. What has been the response locally? I, I would imagine there's no way of really knowing exactly how many veterans in Hancock County this could impact. But based on, I'm just curious what the response has been in the weeks and months since this uh, has, has been approved. Yeah, our appointment numbers are up, um, which is great because we, you know, we want to touch and help every veteran in Hancock County. So that's good to see people coming in to, you know, just, just to make sure, am I eligible? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to check on all that and do a claims review. Um, and sometimes it'll lead to a totally separate claim, you know, maybe hearing loss. Uh, some people didn't realize that they, you know, had hearing loss or tinnitus or, you know, other issues. And this kind of gets them in our door and, um, you know, opens their eyes to other things that they may be eligible for. So, again, the uh, PACT Act information session is happening from 1 to 7 today. It's at the Hancock County Veterans Services uh, Office. And uh, really the only uh, thing that you need to bring, as you said, is the DD-214 if you have it. And from there, you'll be able to get uh, the screening, get all of the paperwork started, and, and everything else. That's correct. Uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for more information uh, about that uh, event happening uh, today. And again, if you can't make it today, just call to the uh, uh, Veteran Services Office. We'll, uh, uh, you can make an appointment. What's the uh, phone number there? 419-424-7036. Very good. Ed Newton, again, uh, Resiliency Operations Manager for the Hancock County Veteran Service Office. Ed, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Clearwater, Florida, police say Olga Botello collected a down payment to sell a mobile home. Nothing wrong with that, except it wasn't hers to sell. (laughs) Wasn't her mobile home, as it turned out. Ms. Botello was arrested on Wednesday for a scheme to defraud. She allegedly drafted paperwork and collected a $7,500 down down payment on the Gulf to Bay Boulevard home there in Clearwater. Reportedly, the manager of the trailer park says Ms. Botello has no legal right to sell the home. Police are encouraging other potential victims to come forward. (laughs) That's quite a scheme. Sell a sell a house that you don't own, <clears throat> man. If that if we were that easy, we'd all be rich. <clears throat> uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, ever uh, had uh, Popeye's chicken. It's very good, and their biscuits are to die for. Uh, so much so that a woman in Georgia was arrested for allegedly crashing into a Popeye's location. Because the biscuits were missing from her order. Belinda Miller apparently did not receive her biscuits, uh, which were supposed to be provided with her uh, with her combo meal. She was so unhappy 
that she drove into the location in Augusta, literally drove into the building, crashed her car into the building because she didn't get her biscuits. They, uh, they gave her her biscuits. <laughs> she still was unhappy. She uh, fled the scene and was later arrested and charged with felony aggravated assault. Doesn't say whether she'd had a chance to enjoy her biscuits before she was arrested. Because I don't think they let her take him to jail. Uh, let's see. Cops in New York. Not laughing. They are looking for a stand-up comedian in connection with a subway shooting. Detectives say 30-year-old Marcos Cofresi shot another man twice when they got into a fight on a train last month. The suspect performs under the name Leo Cofresi. He was scheduled to perform at a comedy club near Times Square on Saturday night, but the venue changed the bill after police named him as a suspect in the shooting. Which is unfortunate. They should have just left him on the bill. Police could have come to the comedy club and picked him up then, but he's still... Apparently, at large. <clears throat> Maybe it was all a big joke. No laughing matter. Uh, now, this is crazy. Jennifer McBride. She is a, a woman who admitted to crimes related to the theft of Lady Gaga's dogs. Remember when that was in the news? Uh, that Lady Gaga's dogs got stolen? Uh, Well, apparently Jennifer McBride had some connection to this crime. She admitted her role. And now, and now uh, she is, uh, she is trying to collect the $500,000 reward that Lady Gaga offered with no questions asked. Again, you remember when this all, all happened, Lady Gaga put out a half a million dollar reward for information leading to the recovery of her dogs, no questions asked. So even though Ms. McBride pleaded guilty to receiving stolen property, she wants that money. <laughs> Several people connected to Ms. McBride are now convicted of attacking Lady Gaga's dog walker and stealing her French bulldogs. Uh, remember, the dog walker was shot but survived. L.A. police says Ms. McBride returned the dogs while pretending not to be involved in the crime, they later figured out that she uh, did have connection to the uh, criminals, but she still <laughs> is now seeking the reward. <laughs> I wonder if she's <clears throat> going to be able to go. Well, she did say the, she did offer the reward with no questions asked. So <laughs> maybe she has a claim. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> And a couple of other items in the uh, broken news. This from Merry Old England. Boy, this is an oops of monumental proportions. Uh, an English woman by the name of Dawn Sagar apparently ate a chip, a, a potato chip. They call them crisps in England. So maybe we can ate a crisp that could have been worth around $100,000. Dawn, you see, is from Shropshire and ate a heart-shaped chip during her break at work, only realizing its potential value when friends responded to her photo of the snack. She pulled it out and she said, oh, this is perfectly heart-shaped. 
Isn't that interesting? So she snapped a photo, posted it on social media, and her friend said, hey, the uh, baker, the company that makes the chips, uh, snack maker Walker's, was running a contest searching for the heart-shaped chips. They put them in random bags, and uh, to those who found them, they were going to give away all of this cash. The, but the chip and the bag must be turned in intact to win the prize. <laughs> she said, Dawn said she Googled it and found out that they weren't pulling her leg. It was a real thing. But it's too late because she ate the chip. After, after posting it on social media, she just snacked on it. <laughs> she was like, yep, that's it. Too late. She said when she first learned that she had missed out on the big jackpot, she was gutted at the time. But she has come to realize it's just one of those things. <laughs> Man, that is a big oops. Can you imagine uh, realizing only too late uh, you missed out on the opportunity for a hundred grand. Oh man! And finally, in the uh, broken news, you might have uh, heard about this uh, or seen these uh, photos. I saw this uh, online over the weekend when Kevin Christian showed up for work on his final day before retirement. Looking at his colleagues for the last time was like looking in a mirror. You see, Christian's co-workers at the Monterey County Probation Department in California surprised him by dressing up exactly like him from his signature blue shirt and black vest that he wore nearly every day to a bald cap to <laughs> simulate his hair loss. <laughs> uh, the prank went viral on TikTok. Mr. Christian can be seen in the video laughing, saying, What is wrong with you people? Uh, one of his co-workers, Diana Manuel, said they planned the outfits weeks in advance, crossing their fingers that he would wear what they figured he would probably wear on his last day, and he did not disappoint. They were right. Um, <laughs> Ms. Manuel said Mr. Christian is like family at the uh, department there, the Monterey County Probation Department. Uh, he worked there for nearly 30 years before retiring, while his colleagues delivered a humorous twist on their goodbye, he also got an official send-off that included a ceremony and a plaque thanking him for his years of service. So that was pretty cool, too. It was rather humorous if you've seen the video or seen the photos online. There you go. Uh, some of the uh, uh, broken news uh, this morning, the uh, odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you. To your regularly scheduled programming. Finley's Andy Ritz on becoming a Finley Rotarian. After 35 years working as a pediatrician in Finley, I wanted to give back to the community, but not at my job, but as a service that would reach many people. The best way to do this was for me to join Finley Rotary, and that's what I did in February of 2022. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Finley Rotary at FindleyRotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. <laughs> Talking about our health a little bit uh, earlier. A new survey of 2,000 Americans, 63% say they struggle to recognize when their body is trying to tell them to pay attention to their health. 
<laughs> and so they went uh, expanding on that. And they said if a check engine light existed for one's own body, 57% said that, that would be a good thing. They would use it to determine when it was time to, say, get more hydration, drink more water. 50% would use it as a vitamin reminder. 45% would be alerted for nap time. They need more sleep. Who wouldn't want a magical warning light to appear when something needs attention? I say. Uh, Now, of course, that doesn't exist in reality, but I'm thinking somebody could use that to create maybe a smartphone app or an app for your smartwatch, you know, that would go off and have like a a human body check engine light that tells you when it's time to get more. So when you need more sleep or when you need more hydration or what have you. Uh, It says, while a check engine light for humans may not exist in reality, we can all take a break from our day-to-day to ask ourselves some critical questions about our health and how to better better our overall well-being. This is the uh, uh, CEO of uh, VitaFusion, which commissioned the uh, survey. (laughs) That was interesting. 63% of us say we struggle to recognize when our body is trying to tell us to pay attention to our health. We would love a a check engine light (laughs) for our health. Well, why not? Um, You remember when they called those idiot lights? (laughs) Now we're all admitting we need an idiot light for our own bodies. What are we saying about ourselves? Heather Chloe is here from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Talk about things coming up in the month of March, which is actually a little bit light, March uh, is. Yeah, public public facing, it's light. We have a bunch of residencies, so every day uh-huh. is busy. So a lot of things going on <laughs> yeah. uh, behind the scenes, as there always is. And we've, you know, we've talked about this uh, with respect to the Marathon Center in the uh, in the past. It's more than just the main stage shows, the big shows uh, that, you know, everybody knows about, the Fiddler on the Roof, the Aretha Franklin uh, uh, tribute that was uh, last night, um, that was uh, just a, a terrific show. But there are a lot of things that are going on that people may not realize right so those are the what i call the big flashy parts of what we do mm-hmm. that the people see everyone sees those right but we have education programs all the time um this is a really heavy time for that because we're working on moana the youth theater show mm-hmm. and we have outreach and we have art clubs and there's people in there every day yeah what are some of those uh some of those things i mean for example we talk about uh the uh, clubs and the uh classes that you do and right. so on kind of you know, give us an idea of what some of those uh, involve. Yeah, so we have visual art clubs. So J- we work with Jason Wagner, and we have them for every age group. And they're in, like, after school, or the preschool group will do it early in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in, uh, you know, a couple times a week. Yeah. Um, we have performing arts clubs. So, like, the youth theater club, they come in once a week, and they learn about theater. Um, the rehearsals are constantly there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we have meetings, right? We have fresh brewed business there, and we have other meetings, private meetings and public meetings. We have civic events. Mm-hmm. So even when there's something not on stage or, you know, not on the website listed as tonight, right. um, there's there's things. Probably things going on. So when yeah. people drive by and there are cars in the parking lot, that's because there's always things going on. Yeah, and 
always get that question. For, I drove by last night and the lot was full. What was going on? <laughs> <laughs> for those uh, those clubs and classes mm-hmm. and, and so on, how would folks learn more about those and become involved? If yeah, they the website's the best bet. There's an education okay. tab and it's okay. all listed there. Um, Pre-COVID, we were doing adult classes. We haven't quite got back there yet, but we'll okay. start doing those again as well. All right. Um, you know, we've done flower arranging and, and painting. So and like watch that. that space. Yeah. You know, one of the other things uh, that happens uh, is kind of an ongoing thing at the Marathon Center, and we don't talk about it very often, but you do have a, a new traveling art exhibit. Yes. So that just uh, is opening, what, today? Yes. Right? It's, it's, it was open this weekend, but okay. yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Officially <laughs> open Officially today. opening yeah. today. <laughs> you could get a sneak peek if you came to a show. Um, yeah, so it's the Ohio Watercolors Touring Exhibit, and it's a juried show, and the winners are there. We get it every year. We've done it for, we think, about 10 years now. Hmm. Um, well, not quite, because we haven't been open 10 years, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Since the beginning, Since I'll the just beginning. say. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put it that way. Um, and it, it's beautiful. The things these people can do with watercolor. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And we do on March 10th at five from 5 to 7, we're having the opening reception. Um, so you can come see it now, but if you want to come and a couple of the artists will be there and we have you know, cheese and things like that out. Now, those, uh, if folks would just want to drop by and see the gallery, you can do that pretty much any time, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure from 11 to 4, because that's our box office hours. Usually okay. we're open before and yeah. after that as well. Um, but those are like the definite hours. And, and, those, uh, and that's free. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Come in and wander around and, and eat I, your lunch in the lounge. And- I, I know. I have seen uh, some terrific art. If you if you go, the next time you go to the Marathon Center for a show or, you know, an event, it takes some time because there's always something going on in the, uh, in the gallery. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, th- these artists are amazing and they're from Ohio, which is exciting. And, yeah. you know, we host a lot of receptions and things up there because it's such a beautiful space and the art is always yeah. so good. Art of all kinds, yes. uh, too. So uh, check that space uh, out. But again, beautiful uh, exhibit of uh, watercolors uh, yep. going on right now. And that's through through the month of March? Yes, through the end of March. So the 30th, okay. I think, is the last day. Uh, let's see here. You mentioned uh, Youth Theater. Moana Jr. is uh, coming up. Yes, that's March 10th at 7 o'clock and March 11th at 2 p.m. And that's kids from all over Hancock County performing and backstage. Um, every, all the kids know the music already because it's Moana. I have to admit, I've never seen the movie, but I hear it's wonderful. <laughs> I, honestly, I have not. My wife has seen it any number of times. Right. I have not because um, she usually watches it when I'm away. Uh, she has control of the TV, That's which right. doesn't happen very often, as she will admit. But uh, but yeah, terrific story. It and, is and, a great story. And, and uh, these kids have been working hard yeah, for months. It's so it's so cool to see the uh, the kids kind of take control of you know the stage. And, it is. You know, I did theater as a kid, and I never got to perform on a professional stage yeah. so it's pretty special tremendous talent uh, that we have here and uh let's see here what else is going on in the uh, month of march so as soon as you theater moves out university of finley's theater department moves in with their musical okay so that's why we're so busy in the month of march there you go um they are doing the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee um, those shows are on the 24th, 25th, and 26th. Okay. And again, uh, tickets are on sale for both of those shows yes. now. Yes. A uh, little bit later on uh, in the month, uh, let's see here. You've got a couple, or you've got a Live at Arms uh, yeah. series. March 30th with okay. Cold Chocolate. Um, they're a duo of Americana music, 
really okay. fun. Um, <laughs> I always like, how do I describe Live at Arms? And it's Americana music. Yeah. Um, and, and it's fantastic. Yeah, we've uh, we've mentioned this uh, in, in the past as sort of like a Bluebird Cafe. Kind yeah, of that's my inspiration a, for yeah. it. It's just, it's really casual. Very intimate. You know, drinks and, and yeah. the bands talk to the audience. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Just relaxing. Uh, and uh, anything else that's uh, to uh, highlight in the uh, month of March? Uh, no, but... April 6th, we have the Community Reads program. Yes. So I want to highlight that. Yeah. So and those tickets are uh, on They are now. available now. And, and I was on the selection committee. I like the book a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, it is uh, just started reading that, and it is a really a fascinating uh, book. If you haven't heard about it, we're going to talk more about it. A little bit later on uh, here the, uh, in the week. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, you can check out all of the uh, interesting stuff going on at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. And I guess the other thing to uh, mention while we've got a couple of seconds here, uh, like you said, there are always things going on at the Marathon Center. But if you are looking for a place for an event, um, how did you know this is a, a spot that you might want to consider? Yeah, absolutely. We have rooms of all sizes. We work with all different caterers. Um, we have a bar right there, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But even just for a meeting, you know, our lounge is a great space to meet, and you can just give us a call. And our associate director Chloe is sure to help you. All right, very good. Uh, again, Heather Close with us from the uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. The link is up on our webpage for more information about all of the events that are coming up. And here before too long, you're going to be starting to think about stuff going on in the uh, summertime. I'm already thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll look forward to that. Heather, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Go there now, right now, while you're thinking about it. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a conversation with Richard Sturber. You may recognize that name. He has been the most distinctive voice of the Oak Ridge Boys for a half century. He will join us ahead of the Legendary Group's concert at Tiffin's Ritz Theater later this month. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.